To a wholesaler, the worst buyer is a flipper, high-end finishes, realtor fees. Furs next because lower-end finishes, no realtor fees. Owner-occupant, perfect, they'll live there, but Airbnb will pay the most because it brings in income. And a lot more than a traditional rental. Like, rapid income. I don't know why I said that weird, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, be, be willing to spend more money, yeah, but find niche things. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, a show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Rob Bergeron, and today we're digging into short-term rental slash Airbnb investing in Louisville and the surrounding area, which is where he does business. And really, we're digging out principles of short-term rental investing that he's uncovered in his time as a short-term rental investor. The types of deals that he looks for, the types of properties that he looks for, how he structures the deals to make sure that the debt is not in his name, which is a really interesting principle, and so much more. He's generating a lot of cash flow through these deals, so super interesting, and he has a way of finding opportunity in these deals that I find very compelling and very inspiring, right? We need to be looking for opportunity in every area and making things work when we can. And I really appreciate the way he brings creativity to his deals. And plus the energy of this conversation is fantastic as well. So really appreciate Rob coming on the show. I think you are going to learn a lot. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call with me, and I will look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you enjoy the show, do look us up and hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. That's when we're helping you guys escape the Wall Street Casino. Once again, our guest today is Rob Bergeron. So many great lessons. Without any further ado, here we go. Rob, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Man, we've been connecting here for well over an hour. I said, we got to start recording a <laughs> podcast here. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so I came from a family that didn't really, I mean, they they had 401k stocks maybe, but like no experience with real estate. Moved here to Louisville, Kentucky. I've been a realtor for nine years. I've been uh, a realtor of the people, if you will. Um, so I, I would always help the wholesalers. I wasn't, you know, butting heads with them. I didn't look at them as the enemy, but yeah. So I helped them build the Louisville network, which brings in about 80 K passive income. Basically they send out their assignable contracts to my buyers list that they've all given me as well. And then they send it out. If I bring a buyer, I charge $2,000 passive income. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I kind of specialize now in like, uh, well, I buy Airbnbs now. Um, I try not to carry any debt, get my money back. I think it's the new bird, the new flip. Uh, you heard it here first, uh, <laughs> maybe not. but uh, yeah, I, I, there is some, uh, risk involved with Airbnb. Um, but I think if you are looking at the numbers I'm looking at, you, you would buy every single deal I've sent out, but yeah, no. So focusing on that active income, I don't use for real estate. That's for fun life. And then I use my HELOC for investing. 
Nice, nice. And it really, there's, there are a lot of topics that we could talk about today, as you know, you and I found over discussing yeah. for the last hour, but I really wanted to talk about and really dig into the Airbnb aspect of your investing, your, your personal investing, and then also what you're doing, you know, with your network. So I, I guess I would ask you, where's the best place to start? If you want to start telling us about your, your first Airbnb deal, how you got started there, I think maybe that's a good jumping off point. Sure. Okay. Well, guys, I think we're at the final frontier of Airbnb. We talked about this before, but uh, like Main Street Renewal, all of these hedge funds are buying up these single family homes. Well, there was a hedge fund in Cleveland, Ohio that's raised $5 billion and said, hey, we can do that, but we can also have cash flow. So I think they're just going to start buying up all these Airbnbs, and then you've got legislation from the cities. So we're in the final frontier. So my uh, fiance and I, we, we, we bought a house and she owner occupies it. And in our city, if you owner occupy uh, your office residential or commercial, you don't have to get a license. Uh, you just have to register, which is great. So what we did is we put it in it, value add. There was no egress window in the basement. So we made it a five bedroom, put about 15, 20 K into it, furnished it. Uh, we're all in 310 on the deal. Well, right now, We've been live at probably like two months, maybe eight, 10 months or 10 weeks, something like that. And we're on pace to gross about 120,000. We have a great cleaner that we're good friends with. They said, hey, I'll, I'll clean it for 165. And I said, no, best I can do is 175. And so I'm overpaying <laughs> and building that relationship because I want to be our first priority. And like we're, we treat our people really well. I mean, that, that's just how we live our lives. But um, bought that one. Um, Darby here in Louisville, three days minimum. Uh, that's how we book them. That that's running for ten thousand dollars, which is just kind of crazy. I mean, because our our nut, our mortgage and uh, utilities is twenty six thousand a year. We're getting ten thousand in three days, so half our debt is paid off in three days. And then we also have all the concerts. I mean, we've got the Bourbon Trail. We've got lots of stuff drawing people in the zoo, the airport, the four, eight minutes from the expo. Now we built this in a lower, like a like a B area relative to maybe even a B minus relative to the A areas with the walkability. But we're so close to so many things. I mean, we're staying really well booked. Um, but it's going really well. My fiance is managing it. She does a great job. Everyone's really happy. We have really good systems. And it cleaner is like the biggest thing, but it's going really well. So since then, we bought three more since October. And on every single one of them, I'm not carrying any debt. I'm not managing. And, you know, I'm just providing the down payment, which essentially is like the new note. <laughs> and then I get my money back in like, you know, six to 18 months, whatever. And then I recast it out on more, more properties. So the most, re well, the first one I bought after the one with Fiance, found online 149.5, already generated 40,000 a year in Airbnb net. So I put it under contract within 15 minutes. And I brought it to two of my clients that I'm really good friends with. And I said, hey, if you can add 40,000 value to this by closing off some bedrooms and converting the garage, like I'll bring you on as partners. You carry the debt and I'll pay you 10% to manage. Well, they're like, Yep. <laughs> so they're doing that because it's also residual income for them because they own an Airbnb management company. So I had another client who, no fault of their own, the, the basement flooded or not flooded, it leaked. But we had a waterproof that was transferable, transferable and uh, it just leaked. So they had to come back out, but they, they walked. This was during their walkthrough at the clo before closing. So they lost their down payment for the Airbnb. And I said, hey, I just offered these terms. So these other guys, they said yes. And so he did it too. So now he's carrying the debt. He's building the, the property out. And then his wife's going to manage. So we have no fees at all. So it's like a win-win. I'll get my money back in you know, six to 18 months. Cash flow 30000 for me a year and 40000 on the other one. I, I don't think we're going to hit 120, but like let's call it 80 to 100 on the other one. I mean, we're in... 
we're adding up pretty quickly. So then I found another deal and it was like uh, the guy, he got sick at 63, gave a property back to the bank, but he had put 148,000 in to build it out. It's framed out everything. All the outside materials are inside the house. Like, and it's this beautiful sage green. So we went and looked and we're like, wow, this is going to price for 300, 400,000. And it's three and a half hours away. So we bought it. I, FaceTime the hard money lender. I walked in the front door and he's like, you don't have to show me anymore. I'm down. It's like a great deal. And so we're going to be all in 220. And we're going to, I think we'll make hundred K a year on that because it's a six bedroom, three bath. It's going to have a steam room. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Like I'll probably go out and hang out there too. And they're holding the debt on that one too, because they believed in the deal. And I'm starting this new company. And it's the idea is that I can't afford deals because I have too many deals right now. So here's the deal if you want it. Well, I kind of gave an example of this property to these two guys saying, Hey, here's an example of something I'd pitch. And they both wanted to buy it with me. <laughs> so I think we have proof of concept on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many opportunities out there. So we're, basically we're at 300 K in pro forma and passive income. And we've been investing since October. 80 of that is the Louisville network. I was talking about earlier, but I just think there are risks involved. We were talking before, I, I live in a house that I, my mortgage is like 114,000, probably less, honestly, I haven't looked for a while. And I do drive a Tesla Model X, but we've talked about this. Essentially, it weighs 5,500 pounds. You can depreciate it 100%. They made this rule because GM couldn't move the Hummer. So they, they made this tax exemption. And my car has full autonomy eventually, like three or four years, I'm guessing. Um, so it'll be robo-taxing. So now I have a Tesla Model X that I've depreciated and it's an asset instead of liability. So- I mean, if you keep your, your um, lifestyle inflation low, I don't think there's really any risk with Airbnbs. They're going to flow. I know the seasonality thing's big, but like the ones we're buying, are, if you've noticed, our entry-level costs are so low. Right? I mean, like we're, we just have to get a rental like number to hit what we're making or our, our nut. So there's just not a lot of risk. Now, if you go on like an Airbnb for sale group or you go to um, the, I don't know, B&B buyer newsletter or whatever, You've got a $1.2 million house in Destin and it brings in 95K gross a year. That's so much entry-level cost for not much money. So now I think, like I said, flipping's the new burr because you get your money back quickly. And flipping, I mean, I'm sorry, Airbnb is the new burr. And then Airbnb is also the new flip because maybe you get one in an area you don't want. You hold it for 12 months, 1031 out to an area you do want with a huge nut. And you sell it as a business instead of a house. So 200 house, $1,000 house, maybe it becomes a 350 or 400 if you sell it as a business. So that's my <laughs> soapbox somehow I got on, but I'm really ADD guys. So also apologize for that. Well, there's, there's, there's really a lot here. And obviously, you know, I can see your excitement and you and I were talking for an hour about this. So yeah. I already know you're excited about sure. it. I'm sure our <laughs> listeners can hear your excitement as well. And I really want to see if we can, and, and I'm not really sure if you've thought about it in this way, but if we can really boil it down to some some principles or things that you look for in one of these types of deals, you know, I'm sure I know you're out there looking for them for you know yourself and for your clients and all of that. Yeah. So I think, and that will help our listeners too as they you know if they're interested in this, go about their own search. All right, soapbox, we're back up, and I'm short, so I can use the soapbox. <laughs> but okay, so think about areas that you can provide value where, where there's like these hidden niches. Now we all have our superpowers because we're all interested in different things. Like for instance, not me, but perhaps someone else might need dialysis, right? Because their, their liver's not functioning. Well, in Kentucky, Louisville and Lexington are the only real big cities. 
Now we do have some Bowling Green, Owens, Owensboro's. They're they're growing a ton. Paducah, whatever. But right now, that's where people go to get their shopping for Christmas, and it's go. It's where they go for health treatment. So go get a house that's maybe not in a super desirable area, but it's next to someone needing dialysis. I bet you're going to stay pretty booked or cancer treatments or anything of that nature. You could do that and do traveling nurses as well, close to hospitals. I mean, you can find stuff. So like there's this diving place in Louisville that's like crazy. It's like one of the deepest pools in, in the world. It's not the deepest, but it's, it's crazy deep. So people come to go as deep as they can to that diving center. So if you put one right next to that diving center, you're going to have a ton of divers all the time. And people like coming to get trained from maybe rural parts coming in to get training so they can go diving on their vacation to Florida or whatever they're doing. But that that's like a niche that's getting uh, taken advantage of. There's an area, Bullock County meets Nelson County, and there's Four Roses and Jim Beam. There's this place called Bernheim Forest, and it has these giants from Norway, art, art installation, huge driftwood giants. And people come from all over. And then there's also the Bullock County Fairgrounds. And one more, sorry, the uh, oldest uh, bourbon bar in, in the country. And that's within a five-mile radius. So you get a four or five-bedroom house, make it chuggy, like very on point about bourbon, et cetera. Well, now you're going to get people that can't spend the night over in Bernheim because they don't allow it. You get the people coming in for the fair or expo, whatever. You get people wanting to go to the oldest bourbon bar because you know there's people that have weird goals and stuff, and they're going to love that. And then you have two distilleries that you can tour and, you know, drinking and driving, you know, you can get a cheaper Uber relative to anywhere else. So, I mean, we, we just came up with two locations, three locations, four locations, where you could be serving a, a very needed market that no one else is touching. And you all have these special circumstances. Maybe pilots, you know, it's cheaper for them to stay at an Airbnb relative to a hotel. So you put one by the airport. You might, and we don't do one night overnights, but two night minimums for us. But, you know, that'd be cool to have stuff by the airport so they can maybe host a meetings or something and then fly back out or whatever. But just got to think a little bit and, you know, know what's going on. Like I said, I read the news every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. I really like that you're starting with looking for a market, looking for the, the demand within market. So now let's get to, you know, the property level and, and things that you would sure. look for to say, yes, this is an interesting property or no, this one's not going to work. Okay, guys. So this is probably a little bit of a tangent relative to what we wanted, but um, I, I was born in Boston, um, but I moved before I was like two, so I couldn't walk. But I grew up a Red Sox fan. And so my um, sister and brother-in-law, like we were going to go to a Red Sox game after we spent some time in Rhode Island with family. We love Rhode Island. But so we stayed in an Airbnb and it was it was in the projects and we had no idea. We had no idea because it's so close to Fenway. We're like, oh, this is a short commute, whatever. And I'm like, wow. So actually one area, I just, I was going to put the first Airbnb in a D area. And it was going to be a five bedroom, two and a half, ended up having foundation issues. So we didn't write on it. We didn't know about the foundation issues. We just found out after the pack. But yeah, also tangent, I, I like hang out with all the wholesalers because they're all paying to learn how to do stuff. And so I can glean so much off of them to execute myself. And they're all about mentality and whatever. So I'm learning all that stuff. So I'm going like skiing with them this weekend, you know, like these people become your friends and you, you want to retire with people that you know and have fun with. So mixed business and pleasure anyway, but I almost did that. And, you know, the larger bedrooms, more higher bed bath count. Great. You'll, you'll make tons of money. But the two ones, well, I'm about to make fun of myself, but the, the two ones, one ones, they cannibalize each other. And maybe they charge a hundred night. That means 30 days a month, they can only make 3000, right? 
but they drop their prices so they can stay booked and at least make their nut, right? So they're all undercutting each other and there's no money to be made there, in my opinion. That being said, I am looking this week at a 1-1 that's OR zone for an Airbnb near a trendy part of town. And I'm going to make it an all white house, exterior, interior, and make it like a spa, like steam shower, you know, all this stuff. Try to charge $250 a night. This is one that could totally fail. But you know what? I'm going to be all in $140. I could sell it for $200. I'm going to get sleep pods out of it. I'll take one to my house, I guess. But if it fails, like there's not a lot of risk involved. Um, and it's going to be like so weird because the whole neighborhood's going to have this white albino house, like white roof and everything. They're going to love it. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think looking for the higher bed bath cow or becoming unique. So there was this other property we looked at and my clients didn't buy it. And, but I, I thought it was a brilliant buy. It was a house that was pristine from the 1990s, never been updated. I'm like, well, why don't you make a 90s themed Airbnb? It's perfect. And you get like a VHS tape and all that stuff from Goodwill <laughs> and you're getting in at a loan tree cost for all that nostalgia. Like, I mean, it, I think people would pay for that. Like, and I think it would do really well. And, you know, I, I wanted to start this Airbnb circuit where you have a party at all your friends, Airbnbs, like once a year or you host one once a year. So it'd be 12 parties just to glean stuff. I mean, I'm saving so much money from networking. That's where I think we were supposed to go with this, mm. this question, but networking's huge. I'm learning so much from my clients. They're so smart. And then I get paid to learn because I'm going to the same events they are. I'm picking up more clients and then I'm serving my other clients because I'm learning more. So it's just, it's fascinating. And then when you can regurgitate the stuff, people think you're pretty smart. And like, it's and if you're reading the news, I mean, you're the smartest guy in the room, and you're an idiot <laughs> like me. <laughs> so, okay, to, to boil it down, so you mentioned smaller properties like really competing with one another, and then you are looking at a smaller property, but you're going to make it very unique, unique, and have a relatively low cost of entry. So your your risk yeah. you feel is is somewhat limited there. But the smaller properties competing with one another that is going to drive you into larger. So I mean, more unique properties that can earn more gross. That being said, like Airbnb arbitrage, like do it all day. I mean, you know, you have to pay a lease. It's just like a mortgage, but you're not collecting the appreciation, but you can get five of those and they'll bring in a thousand a month. That's 5,000 a month. And then you have some months where they bring in more. I don't know. I don't see a lot of risk in that, but I don't, I don't typically don't like small units, but, um, but if, if it's special, like it's a, in a cave, I'll stay in a cave, a one bedroom cave, and I'm sure I'll pay a lot of money to do it in Greece or something. You know, I don't know. But yeah, no, you just got to be pragmatic. And there's usually not a ton of exit strategies on these Airbnbs because I think I'm the highest and best buyer, right? Because I'm making money on a deal. And I, I kind of talked about this before, but to a wholesaler, the worst buyer is a flipper, high end finishes, realtor fees. Furs next because lower end finishes, no realtor fees. Owner occupant, perfect. They'll live there, but Airbnb will pay the most because it brings in income and a lot more than a traditional rental, like rapid income. income. I don't know why I said that weird, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, be, be willing to spend more money, yeah, but find niche things. Yeah. Sorry. Interesting. Okay. So uh, there's obviously a lot here. And like I said before, you're very you know excited about this, this topic. So oh, sure. Know. Yeah. But it sounds to me like a couple of unique things potentially unique things in your market do play into this being one, the price point of properties is, is lower than in the say more coastal expensive markets. And then yeah. two, the, the regulations are not completely killing the business locally. 
They killed Nashville. I mean, they didn't grandfather mm-hmm. any houses in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're all like commercially zoned and so expensive to stay there and to, to purchase. But yeah, I mean, we're going to have the same issues. And so we only have one in Louisville proper. But like the Bourbon Place, that would have been in a different county that's not going to really have that kind of tourism draw typically. I mean, not a huge competition at least. But the other ones I bought, Mammoth Cave. And it's you've got Mammoth Cave, Nolan Lake, and um, they're excavating trails to make ATVs, like trails oh. that you pay to play. Three draws on that, once all in 220. And worst comes to worst, I'll donate it. You could, you could do a lot of stuff with it. But yeah, I mean, negate your risk. But finding the niche stuff. But yeah, the East and West Coast, you'd make a fortune in our market, any market with lakes and stuff like second homes right now, 10% down as long as they're not within 45 miles of each other. And so in April, the rules are changing a little bit. I think there's more points or higher percentage, but you can have as many second homes as you want. So why not put 10% down across 10 deals relative to the same deal, five deal where you're buying it with commercial or Fannie and Freddie. I mean, there's just a lot of money. You had a lot of little tools, tools in the tool belt. Mm, yeah. So we're, we're running short on time here, but you also mentioned about not your personal strategy being, you know, you're not having the debt in your own name, which I think is really interesting. I want to at least touch on that while we're here. You're partnering with others. Sure. You're kind of making, uh, doing creative deals here. So let's dig into that quick. Okay, guys, I'm an idiot, but I have some intrinsic value at sourcing <laughs> deals. Like I'm good at finding them. In every deal, except for my personal home, I bought on the MLS. So all four of the last deals, MLS. The one I might be buying this week, that little one, one that's off market, but break the streak. But it, there's plenty of deals out there. And by sourcing them, it just makes it a value add for me. And I happen to have money at the time right right now. Not really those deals, but by bringing the money and sourcing the deal, like those guys, the first one, like I said, if you could raise our values to get 80, like I'll partner with you on it. Because I was going to make 40 no matter what if I left it the way it was. And so we're both getting what we want and I get a little bonus that I don't have to carry debt. But these guys are also super established and they have tons of rentals, multifamilies, everything. So their access to capital is way higher than me as a 1099, you know, not W-2 employee. Plus, I'm, I'm trying to save my debt for like our own personal Airbnb like house. Because right now, obviously, it's 1099. It takes two years for your rental income and your Airbnb income to count. So right now, I'm just killing time until I can get that on my taxes <laughs> and start making money. Uh, because then I'll be able to get free for like millions and millions of dollars. And But right now, it's smart to... So if you can source deals, I mean, that's what syndicating is, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to find deals, identify the va- hidden value upside for, you know, your capital cap rates, I guess. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, <laughs> sorry. We, it, it goes a lot of places. <laughs> well, I found it very interesting that um, the way you you feel the that Airbnb is the new burr slash the new flipping as the burr and flipping strategies have both been kind of, I think this, I think this could be like a viral TikTok like intro for you because <laughs> I truly believe that Airbnb is the new burr and the new flip, which is kind of fascinating. I hope no one's talked about it like this because that would be really good for my business. But the idea is the burr, you, you're getting your money back and you can repass it. Well, with Airbnb, you make thousands at a time. And imagine instead of even having your own money out, you do a 15, 15 month, 0% interest credit card where you have no money out and you're just paying down the debt. Then you can keep on recasting your debt infinitely, if you will, but you need the down payment, but it pays itself back. But you can burn Airbnbs too, which we're doing on three of them, but you can burn them and then refinance out. And if you don't get all your money back, you're going to make it back really quickly anyway. 
So, but then the, in regards to Airbnb being, being the new flip, you know, you hold it 12 months, 1031 it into a big Airbnb that you want, like a, a Colorado, um, California, or Texas, or wherever you want to go. Florida is the one I should have said, but you do something that you're going to get more ancillary benefits to like give to your family, friends, nonprofits, all this stuff. I'm all about ancillary benefits and helping others. But yeah, no, I, I think it's, that's how it becomes a new flip because then you're not paying Uncle Sam 30% at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on your regular, you regular flippers, rent it out for a year, take a little, like, don't make a lot of money, but that 30%, you're, you're paying down the debt, you're cash flowing a little bit. And those properties are appreciating in our market this spring, 22%, two years ago, 11.1%, last year, 14% here in Louisville. Like, I mean, there's no losing. That's why it just, it's a, we were talking like, once your basic needs are hit, it's all a game guys. And like, you just have to be smart with your numbers. And then surround yourself with smart people that are good at the numbers as well. I don't know. Uh, Soapbox, I'm off it. I'm short again. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I love it. It sounds like, you know, the the way you see it, there's a lot of opportunity here. And I really like how how you uh, compare it to burring and flipping, flipping being very tax disadvantaged, which a lot of folks don't realize. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. Well, don't worry about it. Three questions I ask every guest on the show. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Education was a waste. (laughs) No, I mean, it aged me up. So that was great. But honestly, this might be cliche to you. You might have to get rid of this one. But my fiance, like getting engaged, which ironically, you know, buying an engagement ring is a liability intrinsically, right? Like it costs you money. It's money I could have bought a house with or whatever. But for me, it was a real asset. By having someone else to like make up for my inefficiencies, like I don't, I'm not a numbers, like paperwork. Like she does all of our returns, like folding, like detailed stuff. I don't like it. So she empowered me to be able to do this stuff, not only because she makes like a hundred K a year, which is really great, but like, you know, it's someone else to lean on. And like, you know, when it is bad, I have someone to like handle it. Be sad with me or excited with me. Like it's good to have a teammate. And that really was such a catalyst for my business. And not to say you can't do it alone and you really should, but having that great partner and it could just be a business partner, but I don't know. I I like it being within us, you know, internally. (laughs) 
but that was my best investment, the engagement ring. And uh, it appraised for like $2,600 more. I'm not going to say what company, but get on Reddit and do some research. It save you a ton of money. It didn't save me money, but it being worth more is helpful for insurance. Totally. <laughs> yeah. We had the best investment. Now we go, go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst? I take it back. I take it back. I did not have a good answer. And I was like, man, I haven't made a bad investment. I have. I have made some bad investments <laughs> in hindsight. I don't know legality wise, but I was at a big brokerage as a realtor. One of the top two, if not the biggest in the, the country, perhaps. Can remain and, generic. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And they did not understand what I do. Um, like wholesalers are looked at as the devil by realtors. Like they're stealing our deals, you know, all that stuff. But they aren't. Um, it's just like they're part of the ecosystem. They're the tilapia. They're getting the, those properties back into circulation by getting them to people that are going to fix them up. Like it's a service to everyone's property values in every neighborhood. We should like wholesalers. But that being said, like they didn't like that. And so the day I rolled out the Louisville network, they let me go and said, oh, wow. hey, yeah. But fast forward, like, I don't know, 12 months later. And I was really, I was hurt by it because I like gave up a lot of my time. I would help people like teach them how to invest. And so I was hurt. It, it hurt my ego. But the, the third highest person in that company is now my client. Because they heard about me from one of their business partners and got in touch with me. And so I called, I ran to this attorney's office like, woe is me, I'm dying. And he he said, it'll be fine. And it is. But I called him and was like, hey, you're never going to guess who my new client is. (laughs) Called my parents. I was like, it felt very vindicating. And I mean, because he sees the value in my off-market deals. Like, I mean, I don't know. So something that wasn't negative for me became a positive, guys. And I just, you had to frame how you're looking at it. I mean, now I, I, I used to pay like twenty one to 28000 a year there, not including office fees and everything. And now I pay 7000 And when my broker calls me, it's for like advice or to talk about investing. Whereas my old broker called me, it's like, Brad, someone's mad about the color of red on your side. Shoot, I should have said that with the brokerage thing. But that was, but it wasn't a bad investment intrinsically. It's just, it lost its value to me after that first year. Once I learned how to write a contract and like source deals, like, I tried doing everything they did for the first three years, like door knock, letters, buyers, home buying seminar, all that stuff. And it was just not me and not like not great. Paul expired, all that stuff. And I should have left after a year because all that money I could have saved. I, I paid for college twice, so essentially, like I'm an idiot. But yeah, so just it was recognizing the value you're getting for the money you're spending and just make that decision. Is this brokerage giving me the value that I paid last year? If not, I need to find someone at the value I'm willing to pay for last year because I know it already. You're taking those uh, attributes and tools with you. Anyway, <laughs> so nice. Nice, nice. Well, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Oh, that's probably the only question I didn't read on your, your email. Okay. So the thing that has changed my business, like, remember I said, I made like no money my first three years, 30, 35, 40K those first three years. I was no money. The thing that changed is I stopped worrying about me. I read the go-giver book. The go-giver book changed my life because if you're trying to help everyone and you're being nice to everyone and you're not a nasty person, you're going to feel good. You're not going to have to keep secrets or lie or anything. And I'm not a super religious person. I mean, I'm probably a five and a 10. I don't know what a 10 is, but, and it's easy to understand how people are kind of like Jesus. And I'm not religious. I can't believe I'm talking about God on a podcast, but like, it's easy to see how you can be nice to everyone and do nice because like everyone gives me that back because I'm nice to them and do nice things. Mm -hmm. So helping the wholesalers, like 
I training the realtors how to invest. Well, they became clients of mine, like, which is crazy. I had a running slogan, a joke that I was the realtor's realtor for a little bit. <laughs> um, but like they would send me their referrals for investors because they were looked at as like bottom feeders too, like cheap and not loyal. But if you treat people well with integrity and set standards and like I said, block your time, your time is so precious. That's the whole point of all this. But like by dictating your time and like treating, learning, I know everything I can because I go to everything and I learn from those people. By providing all that value and just giving it away for free, I don't ask for anything. Like these new wholesalers need a contract. I introduce them to who they need to talk to. Like all these things. I mean, if someone's underwater, like a short sale on one of their flips or something, they're going to lose money. I don't even charge a commission. I pay for pictures. Because like you get that goodwill back. Who do you think they're going to refer? The guy that bailed them out of a ditch or the guy that like made them made $9 off of them or 9,000 and you made three. I mean, no, like everybody needs to win. And if you do that, when you truly live like that, I mean, people are so nice and generous to us. I mean, like I changed, I was getting so many coffee gift cards, like from people. I changed my header to Chipotle. So I, now it's only <laughs> Chipotle gift cards. And I didn't even think of it. Like stuff I do, like I had a new client call from someone out of California and they didn't want it. They were wanted a multifamily and I, now they're team Airbnb, obviously. And um, they are buying something in the nature, which is what their industry they're in. And like, I just told her it was like my birthday and like, you know, just talking to her and like, she sent me a Chipotle gift card because she found me on Facebook or my, my header. I mean, like people think you're offering so much value, but like, and you are, but like, I like doing this. Like, this is fun for me. Like, it's not always work. Like, I don't mind running cops while I'm watching Netflix. Like, who cares? <laughs> just having a good time. Well, Rob, yeah. I had a good time talking with you today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more or anything like that. I'm sure they're going to have fun talking with you. Where can they track you down? Okay. So obviously text or email because I, I guard my time, but we can set up a call sometime, but Rob at ROI Louisville.com at Robert Bergeron on Twitter. Most of it's just crypto and bangles right now. And then uh, my, my phone is 502-552-8519. Yeah. And it, my phone doesn't ring between 9am and 9pm or 9pm to 9am. You know, got to protect your time. All those Craigslist people, you know, just message me at weird hours. No, but yeah, no pleasure. Thank you so much for having, uh, having me on here. I, I learned a lot from you just talking and wow, you're doing some cool stuff. Thanks, man. We're having a great time. It was great talking with you as well. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Five stars, if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. Take care.